It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lepercaro, and this episode's guest is Flight. Flight are a three-piece band based in London, known for their tight harmonies and brilliant, near-perfect instrumentation. On This Is Really Going To Hurt, they intentionally dropped some of their usual polish. Frontman Will had come out of an eight-year relationship and was writing his most vulnerable songs to date. The resulting record is a true gut punch, powerfully taking us through the pain of endings and the healing that comes after them. We're talking about the album. We're talking about this is really gonna hurt, and holy crap, it really does hurt. Um, I've obviously listened through it a few times, and it is genuinely such a beautiful, beautiful album. I don't say that just to be nice. I'm insanely impressed. Well, thank you. You're very welcome. Um, um, I feel like you are a good uh, barometer for you're definitely for what you're definitely sort of person who this album's for <laughs> oh god <laughs> i don't know if no no let me just finish that off yeah okay it... please <laughs> but you know you've been to some dark sort of corners yourself mm-hmm. and um you know i felt isolated or i felt the real actual sting of you know your own i think this is a, a a, va- a valid thing to say about this record is that it's really not about the, the other person in the relationship. It's really about you, as in it's about me. It's about mm. one. It's about the person. It's, it's about the person who's telling the story, and it's really pointing all the blame and all the negativity at yourself. You know, and it's yeah. not pointing it at someone else. It's not scapegoating some the other person in the relationship for all the the turmoil that lies within. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting that you say that because one of the things I'd written was that I appreciated that this isn't just like a fuck you, this is all your fault album. You know, it's not like this big rager. I mean, I would say that it does place some blame, but in the sense that it's kind of like a breakup is everybody and nobody's fault at the same time and that it's just going to be a messy, difficult thing. You know, it's very, very rare that the end of something is a black and white ending. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, the, the 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 fact is, it it felt so black and white at the beginning, and um, and it's and it's and it not much has changed. But it's funny when you do look back, and you and you can properly, maybe I'm not far enough away from it still, but you can properly see like the full picture. Um, but I listened to I listened to that album 
when the test pressing came for the vinyl, um, the, the label sends you a test pressing. You have to yeah. check for, you know, if there's, um, you know, a little blip or a, you know, scratch somewhere. Um, so I, I sat and I listened through the whole thing. Um, and I did find myself really listening to the album. I was, and I, I had to listen to it again to actually check for all the scratches because I kind of start, I kind of got carried away and, and listened to it for the first time since we really made it. And, um, and it made me feel really, really horrible because it just really brought me to that. It, it's funny because, yeah, listening to it was, it was just a timestamp. Every single track for, for a very, at a very specific time, every track was written in a very clear emotional moment. Um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't have a good time listening to it. I didn't have a good time making it. Um, but I'm, but I'm definitely proud of it. I'm proud of the guys for for going along with me with it and being so respectful of it and and being so kind of um, sort of uh, compassionate in their playing. You know, you can really hear them holding back, and you can hear them echoing sentiments in their own playing, and you can hear them. Um, this sounds so pretentious and grandiose, me saying this about my happen. band, but they were really they were really at the time, you know, we're the closest friends and you can, and I was very moved hearing, listening to them and listening to just the way Nick's bass can just dance around through this track. That's, you know, so bleak. And, and actually by the time we were making, you know, some of the record when we were in LA and a, a, a song like trying to break your heart, maybe, or, um, or, uh, you know, love is an accident waiting to happen. You know, those songs, there's a kind of playfulness and you can see that we're kind of just let, letting it go of a few things and we're just kind of just bashing it out and having fun. And so that was, I can hear the catharsis there in that moment. Um, but yeah, I have to say, I do not have a nice time listening to it, but I hope that other people, you know, do. <laughs> I, I mean, well, I did. Um, and hopefully talking about it is, a little bit of an easier process for you. And also, I mean, again, I've only met John and Nick like once or twice each, but I remember having a really lovely chat with Nick particularly when I last saw you guys. And just, it's clear that him and, and John, I can see as well, are just very caring people. So it's, I'm glad that you have those people in your life, both for the kind of personal side of things and the creative side of things. Yeah, they're very sweet boys. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, so I kind of wrote my questions in semi-order, which is something I do for a lot of albums. Although, interestingly, much like you just said, the album doesn't read so much as a linear storyline, but more as sort of like a scrapbook of moments that are each sort of zeroed in on on each song. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I don't think we had um, going into making it like before actually putting it all down, I don't think we had a clear idea of the order of the album. But what was clear at that point was that, um, yeah, as you said, each song zeroes on in on a very specific emotion. Easy Tiger is very, very specifically about kind of jealousy and neuroticism and it's cooped up in this little claustrophobic room and under the skin is very explosive and wrought and angry and, um, you know, uh, 
I've got a girl's kind of a bit, there's a lot of retribution in it. It's very, it's a big kind of middle finger, fuck you kind of song. And, 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 and trying to break your hearts for it is a big exasperated warning, you know, and, um, and Mistress America, which was written on that tour when we, when we met you, in, when we saw yeah. you in Dallas, that was written in a time where it was, we were looking forward and things were beginning to lighten up a little bit and we were getting excited about the future and you can hear that. And that's, so in the end, there was a little bit of a, a roadmap to quote Boris Johnson um, on, um, on, on like, on how to, it became pretty clear with what the order of the album needed yeah. to be. Because because I was like okay Easy Tiger that was like that was right at the beginning that was a really bad time there and losing you just sort of just about came after and and we wanted to see a sort of growth from kind of the depths of despair into the kind of light at the end of the tunnel. Mm, I feel that and it's interesting that you like to say that because I mean Easy Tiger is such a good opening track like I think in. In the world of like musicals, they'd call that like an exposition track. It sort of lays out the groundwork about of what's about to happen, and it's interesting because it is. It feels sort of like pensive yet ominous at the same time. And then of course you get to the end, which sort of escalates. And yeah, it just it really sets the tone for everything else that's about to happen. Well, uh, yeah, uh, sure. I think um, again, we didn't plan for it to be that way, but and actually, I must say a lot. Uh, you know, a lot, there was a lot of resistance about that one being the first one because it's quite a, it's such a kind of down, dark down tempo. It's very short. It's a kind of an anomaly. And like you say, sort of like an epilogue is what I kept sort of referring to as and saying, don't worry guys, it's, you know, it's not the big bang that a lot of albums start as, but we, let's just look at it like it's an epilogue. Like it's a sort of mm-hmm. a little door opener and then the kind of the fun can begin sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but this um, is, there this was no a- other song that could could have been the first track somehow yeah no i don't see this as a song that or as an album that was supposed to start with something explosive anyway it was very much again it's ironically i feel like the calmness of it is exactly what the album needs to start with so i i really really love it as the opener and then of course so i have listened to this next song a ridiculous ridiculous amount of times i will continue to i am learning it on guitar it honestly kicked me in the stomach and that of course is losing you i think it's one of the best breakup songs that i have ever heard um and it again it kills me and i love it so very much um so just i mean anyone said ever i mean i i'm genuine in that i don't like to to sugarcoat or over embellish things if i mean something i mean it um wow well thank you you're very welcome um i read this song as kind of sitting i guess in the middle of grieving the end of a relationship it's that sort of like one one foot still in the door one out like because when something that's been happening that you've been in for a very long time ends no matter how poorly it ended that was still a big portion of your life so is that sort of like push and pull part of what you were playing with on that song? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I, only in the sense that yes, that's exactly the the place I was, you know, one foot in, one foot out, um, and yeah, it's it's kind of a with or without you, you know, you two kind of sentiment. Um, it's just it's 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 in that little stuck place, you know not long after relationships over and you're just stuck 
and kind of frozen and you know nothing nothing you nothing you watch like on telly or nothing you listen to or nothing you kind of seek to to be this sort of soothing balm or some kind of you know helpful distraction from you know just yeah the horrible feelings inside of you nothing works there's no there's no escape anywhere and it kind of came from that that sense that feeling um and funnily enough that's really how this album was written because it was the only solace i had was to write it was the only if i was sort of expressing something on the page or on the on the guitar or the piano that was the only little moment of emotional respite yeah um which 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 was helpful for me because i can procrastinate and i can be you know i can be quite slow and 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 like you know i was watching girls re-watching girls the other day and there's that really harrowing episode or two with lena dunham where she's she's really in the depths of her ocd and she's got that she's got that q-tip in her ear and she has to she fucks her ear and then she has to for because of the ocd she has to fuck the other ear to make it even and just like that you know that and she's she's supposed to be writing her ebook that she's really excited about, but all it's done is make her you know just go insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you, it's so easy when you've you've finally created a situation for yourself where you're um, you're like, oh my god, all I wanted was the time and the space and the ability to write my special thing that I'm supposed to do. And when, the minute you get that, you're like, okay, now I'm going to malfunction. <laughs> It's like, oh, this is the form that this comes in. Cool, love this. You know? Yeah, brilliant. Thanks. That's great. No, but for um, for 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 me in this moment of 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 sort of emotional devastation, um, actually, it was like, okay, now I write. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I can. Now I can work. You yeah. Know? So, so that was the one silver lining, and um, and it was that slight panic of just like, oh fuck, do I have to get into a cyclical pattern now where I just like build things up into a nice place and then absolutely destroy them so I can just keep a, keep no. a creative, no. creative pattern going. And I no, don't worry, that's not where I, where I ended up. But at the time I was like slightly panicked that that would have to be my fate. Yeah, I think, I think obviously strong emotion um, brings out the best music, but I think people think that once you say strong emotion, that means negative emotion or uncomfortable. But I think people very much discount the value of writing with great joy. Like mm. I, I interviewed Future Islands a few episodes ago, and the front man is in a very wonderful, very healthy relationship right now. And his girlfriend inspired a lot of the album. And some of the love songs on there are awesome. Because it's just, again, it comes from a place of like, I am so happy and I am in such a good place that you get these like explosively like celebratory songs. So long story short, pain is valuable to write from and it's a good cathartic way to work with, but you don't need to trap yourself in that to be a valuable artist. Well, I don't want to jump the gun, but I'm I'm now in this very happy relationship and, and very settled and um and very much have worked through everything that this album has has kind of has worked through. In fact, the album's done it for me in so many ways. That and and a, and a weekly therapist. Um, and um, <laughs> and um, and now I'm very much looking at this thing that's called joy, or at least called um, you know uh, 
well, occasionally I could call it joy. It's at least called uh, happiness or stability. And seeing it as, and maybe that's because I'm older now, where I feel like I've got to a, to an age where I'm, I feel like I, I'm a certified kind of grown up. I was really, for a couple of years, getting really annoyed and upset about that. But now I'm kind of, I'm really happy about it because I feel like the first time ever since I was 10 years old, which is when I started, first started writing, I'm able to look at the idea of feeling happy and turn that into something creative because I never did that before. My dad's always just like, when are you going to write something about you being in a happy place? Because of all the years you've been writing, you've never written unless you're unhappy. Hmm. Yeah, listen to your dad. Um, I think that will be a good, healthy thing. I'm sure your therapist would gladly echo that. I'm sure if I was in the same boat, my therapist would gladly echo that. Um, but speaking of, I guess, catharsis, even though this is very much in a different form of catharsis, mm. considering that obviously losing you is such a, a song of feeling stuck, when you have I've Got a Girl immediately after it, which is just pure catharsis. Yes, it's angry, but it is just... It just kind of lets it all out. And it feels it's also, like... It's also a bit tongue-in-cheek. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's looking at itself. Because I think this was... It's, this was I think we made no illusions about it. Um, at least in, like... I think I, in the press release, I, I said to Elspeth, I said, you know, it's fine to, to say what it's about. You know, mm-hmm. it's about Sam leaving the band. And, um, and so... In a way, it was, it was just a nice. It was just a quick little bit of a rest from thinking about talking, writing about my breakup, because these these two things happened right next to each other. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I retrospectively feel bad about the connotations of the song because there is there is very little ill feeling towards Sam and. And there's a lot of poetic license in the lyrics. It was it was more just like, wouldn't it be kind of fun in a way to, for the three of us band together and just like, and kind of blow off some steam about that, you know, which was because it, it was a frustrating thing, losing losing a member, even though it really did bring us close together. But um, it it is apt. You're right that it comes after losing you. It's so somber, um, and I thought maybe it was a little bit brash to put that song straight straight away afterwards. But in a way, I think fun, bold, dynamic move to do that in the end. And um, and it's it's good to, to, to have kind of the only song on the album where it sounds like a band really letting going, being a band, having fun, doing guitar solos, all that kind of stuff. That being the song that is about the meta thing of being in a band. Yeah. You know, I'd actually written in my notes too, like, did those two events happen around the same time? Because it felt like there was such a need to be able to blow off steam. So to hear that that is the case, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because it is very, very explosive as a song and it's great. I will add to it, add a bit of trivia is that it was very late. It was about two, three in the morning. We'd been working on another song that wasn't clicking Mm. and we we just got very, very drunk and stoned. And and it was it really is just like a one take fun fun time thing. Yeah, I could feel that. It definitely has the like fuck it. We're not trying to perfect this, and yet it still really works unbelievably well. Tasteful or cool or anything like that. Yeah, and ir- ironically, that works. Like the fact that you just kind of lean into like the guitar solo and all of that. It's like just go for it, you know. 
there's there's a lot of beauty of that. And I mean, I can tell that you're definitely a perfectionist. So I think this is a good kind of healthy palate cleanser for you. Yeah, I suppose that's just about right. I mean, I was definitely <laughs> not, I was definitely I was definitely not a perfectionist on this album. Okay. Yeah, I could see that in the past. I remember the first time I interviewed you, it was 2017 and you I mean, you're obviously a very smart person, but you definitely had this sort of like intellectualism at the forefront about the way you're speaking whereas here there's a lot more vulnerability and honesty. Like I can see that that sort of arc has happened for you in a sense. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I think I've let go of a lot of um like needless needless chaff. <laughs> Again, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just realizing that you're allowed to have some lightness too. You can embrace the cheese occasionally as well. Exactly. I mean, you listen to the loved ones, you listen to the first album. You can definitely hear in that that we were every tiny detail and every sound and every layer, we'd sculpted it for days. And that mm -hmm. is just such a lot of work, that album. Yeah. And this one definitely just kind of plopped out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that wording. I really don't. <laughs> it makes me very uncomfortable. I regret it the minute I said it. And I'm not going to edit it out because I'm mean. Um, but yeah, I, I deserve that. What'd you say? I think I deserve that. <laughs> okay. Also, honest, this is kind of a, a tangent, but still about I've got a girl. There's what seems to be a play on words that I just really love and just want to see if this is true. Um, the line between two nightstands, is that supposed to be a play on words? Because it's really cheeky and I really love it. Yeah, yeah. We were um, we were actually writing the lyrics together in Scotland around a campfire and we were a little bit um, in a place and we were just trying to, we were trying to crack this one, la this last line. And we, it was one of those nice moments where we were feeding off of each other and we were like, something about two nightstands because it's like a, a, night, a one night stand, but then two night stands, and then like, but then two night stands, and then what would be in between that? And it would be like the bed, and we like wrangled with it for like half an hour. <laughs> one line. Until we got to it, and we were like, yes! <laughs> and then I remember then getting on the guitar and playing it, um, and being like, oh shit, it's too many words. It just can't fit in. It's, I can't, no one will ever be able to, hit, to understand that line, because it's just too many. Um, Tied to the headboard between two nights. It's just like, yeah. it's way too clumsy, I remember No, saying. it's not. I love it. Um, but I think what we did is we probably at, drew out an extra syllable or so, I don't know, something like that. But anyway, there was, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that line up because I don't think I've ever worked so hard on one lyric. <laughs> it's, no, it's one of my favorites. It's very, again, cheeky and plays into the rest of the sort of cynical, kind of funny. Very, very, very at the end of its tether, that song. Love that though. Again, we embrace it. Anyway, we should move on to the next one. So um, what we're doing, I'm, I'm sensing, is working through this. The yes, yes, we are. That's kind of I find the so best way to do this. We have to warn the listener: we're three in. Yes, I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> All right. So under the skin is a wonderful sort of tipping point song and it also just kind of crescendos until everything again explodes at the end um so where the way i read this one was sort of wanting to come out on top of what someone knows is going to be a messy breakup it's like you want to be the one to deliver that final blow not the other person exactly there's a, there's a kind of competitiveness to, mm -hmm. to the song almost um but also a kind of 
a kind of quite like sad resignation that you're the shit one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but if you can, you've got to, you're going to try and get some insurance in there somehow. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, it, um, it was one that I started writing whilst the relationship was still, still alive. And then I finished it after the relationship finished. Oh boy. So there was um, a lot of like foreshadowing kind of happening there. There's a lot of, the yeah, there was premonition in, in that for sure. Um, and as Nick often said, as we were making this, and we kept turning from him like, God, there's, that really predicted something that one didn't it because yeah. same with trying to break your heart mm -hmm. uh, started before and then finished after okay um so yeah so i i think that was our reason for making the song structure that way where it starts very small and very clenched and then and then we were almost thinking you know how taut and how tight can we make something at the front of a song and how like completely expanded and gigantic can we make it by the end to the point where we were sort of tightening all the drums and closing everything up as quickly as possible and then and as the song continued we'd kind of cut in towards the end and and replace things with big open opened up drums and and i was layering and layering and layering uh kind of through a bunch of guitar pedal an ebowed guitar um which i was very conscious of it not sounding like um heroes david bowie because i think if, if you've ever got something that's going um if you've ever got something that's constantly going in the yeah. same group and you have an ebo over the top it, it go, you go oh david bowie heroes and i remember lcd sound system and arcade fire and stuff people doing that and you always go oh well they've listened to heroes and they've done their heroes versions. i was i was really really trying it my hardest not to to fall into that trap. I don't so think we, you did. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think in the end we got, we, we circumnavigated it by um, putting it through a lot of very strange pedals, pedals that I'd, I'd never seen before. I didn't even know what they did. I was just kind of wiggling, me and Justin, the producer, were just wiggling all the many knobs as we could until it just sounded bizarre to us. And, and I kept kind of putting more and more on, so it sounded like this sort of cacophony of, could be strings or it could be, um, and, I think we just kept piling stuff on basically until it was just the biggest possible sound you could think of. And then by the end of the song, we just let everything fall to the floor and everything break. And I dropped the guitar and we just unplugged all the pedals and just walked out of the room. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like uh, the end of what's it on Fleet Fox's album, Helplessness Blues. There's a shrine and argument where everything just completely turns to shit. Yeah. And that's kind of the beauty of it. Yeah. Also, one of my actual favorite things about this song is the vocal performance in that the way that you sang it, you kind of like occasionally make like a subtle change to the melody, kind of start to bring it up, and then you'd come back and kind of pull in restraint. Like you'd have like the, before my life falls apart, and then like shortly after you'd come back to like the under the skin and just kind of be like, nope like bring it back and keep teasing and slowly kind of swing back and forth until you're like further and further into this more like extreme. Well, that, that's, that's, that's very much us trying to make sure that the listener doesn't, doesn't get bored <laughs> and they, they want to keep, they want to keep wanting to know what's at the end. You yeah. Know? So you just keep giving people this dangling carrot. They're like, Oh, that carrot's not that, that far away. I'll, 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 I'll stay in 
wait to see what that character's like. And then yeah. you're just about to get there and you're like, nope, it's just going to have like, to give you another 30 seconds. <laughs> nope, another 30 seconds. And hopefully by, by the end of that process, they, they're really invested and they, they want to hear it again. And then maybe they want to have the experience and go back and listen to it again. Yep. Um, but again, even, even in our, like we said, kind of letting go attitudes, we're still overthinking things. <laughs> It's okay. You're finding your balance. There's growth. There's improvement. There is improvement and that's what matters. Well, moving on again, again, we talked about obviously the explosiveness of the ending of Under the Skin. Thank you. So post, I guess, explosion of Under the Skin, you have Everyone's a Winner, which literally just feels like someone walking through the rubble of this, just like everything is just completely just... And now it's kind of taking stock and being like, oh, here's here's what's left. Um, yeah. So again, it's another one of those, like, we've climbed up really high and then we've just kind of, like, taken the listener and dropped them right to the ground. Yeah. But for me, that, that song is... I'm just going to stop, actually, before we carry on talking and apologize to the listener if, if it seems like you have... You, you and I have both put way too much emotional um, investment into this album. That that's what I do don't though. Don't care about this silly little piece of music we've made. But let's pretend like they're on the same level of, level as us and carry on. <laughs> that, that song is um that song is like everyone's a winner is was very much the centerpiece for me. Mm. That one really defined that bad time when the album was being made and it really it was like the god's eye view for me. It just said everything in each verse. It kind of covered all the things I was feeling and that final verse, um, you know, um, everything's forever except the dog and the chair and the bedroom we share and the friends who must choose which one of us they wish to lose. Um, it just kind of, it, it, it came down to its base, most barefaced, unpoetic un level of just like, this is what it's all, this is all it's come down to, you know? So it felt like after the, not to say that it's, ex accepting things there's a level of acceptance in it that i felt like that's the right track to come after the big explosion of under the skin and come out of the rubble it's just like okay now let's let's end side one side a with you know some acceptance and it's kind of sad walk off into the sunset kind of moment i guess yeah it's sort of well it's very much at the beginning of grieving and healing it's again it's just taking stock and acknowledging what has just happened and what is left before you can kind of continue onwards yeah there's no bitching and moaning it's just saying it's done now and yeah. it's like yeah so and that's kind of all i have to say about that song it's my favorite one on the album and it's definitely the favorite my favorite song me and nick have written together and um and I'm, yeah, I'm really happy for the album to come out just because of that song coming out. I'm really pleased with that one. Good. Well, I'm excited for people to hear it. Um, moving on, I actually paired the following two songs together because I feel like they really share the same sentiment. So that's Trying to Break Your Heart and Love is an Accident. Now, you already actually sort of half answered one of my questions earlier because you mentioned that you started to write Trying to Break Your Heart when you were already in this relationship, like this, this one that the album is about. But... I wondered if, like, I guess, temporally speaking, these two songs almost existed in two places, because I could almost read them as speaking back to the beginning of, of the relationship the album talks about, but also speaking to any future relationships. Like, after all of this has happened, kind of 
Like, it is. It's sort of like the fear and the warning of, like, I don't know if I should get into this. I don't know if this person should get into this with me, sort of. Yeah. It, it, that, it's, it all comes from where I was then, which was very much, like, self-loathing and um, kind of worrying that I was a bit broken and that there would be no good relationships ever in my life kind of thing. You know, which is the kind of the, the, the worst place you can go. And... Um, and that was just me expressing that really and very unsupervised as well and um and just sort of just just really going for it and saying it um and it was yeah it was you know i'll say this that if it sounds a bit like jesus christ who was this what was this relationship was it like a six-month thing that didn't end well you know it was, this was this was all of my 20s it was eight years and um it's like my first proper thing you know, so it was, it really just threw everything in the fire. And so, yeah, that, that one for sure, um, and accidents. And they kind of went together because I think they were pretty much being written at the same time. They even kind of sort of have the same melodies and they're, they're very similar, similar mm -hmm. tracks. Um, I will say that those two are my favorite to listen to in terms of just hearing the band have a good time playing them because mm -hmm. they've got they're lovely performances from, from, from Nick and John when you listen to the um, Lovers and Accident is, 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 is um, a lovely instance of, of Nick on the bass, John on the drums, and they are just playing so simply, but so playfully together. You can just see that they're just two guys staring each other in the face, just like, just enjoying themselves, just playing this really simple thing. And, and just getting away with just the simplest little fill or like the little bass, little bass melodies. It was completely improvised. And just a really nice time. We were in Hollywood with some guest players that had come in, some, some amazing people, a guy from Beirut, um, uh, My Morning Jacket guy coming and playing on piano. You know, there was some, and we were just in heaven. Okay, and lucky. Old 70s studio, tape, tape machine rolling. You know, sun was shining outside. It was. I was. We were. We were having a, an absolute ball. So, as bleak as those two songs were in their like formation, they, uh, I listened to the to the recordings, and and luckily they don't re reflect that at all. Because at that point in the album, I think you need a bit of. You need to start feeling a little bit lighter. Yeah. Well, again, we just came off of everyone's a winner at that point, which is like much like losing you. Those are kind of two of the biggest like gut punch songs on this record. Um, the other thing also i find like love is an accident like in terms of its melody and style calls back a lot to sometimes from the right the white roses ep like it's a similar sort of vibe yeah sometimes yeah sure that uh it's maybe the very similar kind of groove going on um kind of a bit of a harrisony 70s influence glimmering through there maybe Nice. Yeah, I, that one I remember standing out to me. Actually, that was my favorite song on the White Roses EP. So yeah, yeah mine too. I really like that one. Good taste. Hey. Switching again. So this is, I think, the third sort of most like kind of devastating song on this record. It's again, you have the sort of trifecta of losing you. Everyone's a winner. And now there's a woman that really just kind of go in for the kill. This one I also find is the most the most like zoomed in song, if you will. Like it's very much like taking these little snapshots of moments or like the final things that you pay attention to 
as as the relationship is ending you know what i mean like it's a very like the national kind of way of writing of really like taking a moment and sort of like what's the word i'm looking for uh, yeah, really I mean, it's very kitchen sink, isn't it? It's very, there, are, there are just very specific details. It's funny because that, that song was just a jam. Um, and, you know, it was, you know, just a riff and a good feeling. And, um, and, and you can, I'm sure the, the guys were very just like, oh, you're writing more lyrics like that. Okay, right. Because, because you know, you read them on the page and it's just like, okay, it's, you know, we're in, Everyone's a winner, losing you territory for sure. But the, the but the, the song is just bashing away. It's true. It doesn't sound like that. I'm thinking very much about when I just read the lyrics, but it's true. It's kind of got this like slinky, very seventies feel to it. Yeah, totally. It, it's very. It's the one track on there because obviously, you know, we're we, you know we are straddling you know the past and the future in a pretty you know dangerous <laughs> uh, little you know tightrope. I was mixing up my um, synonyms there, um, but um, the um, the thing with that track is I do listen to it and I do think oh, that could just have been recorded in 1972 <laughs> because the style of playing and the decisions being made um, and the you know the, even the way we recorded it on tape with no computers or anything like that. Um, but you know this is not intentional we're not trying to do that we're not we're not studying how they made it then and do it we this is just how we like to work but i definitely remember hearing that one back and thinking i think this is cool i love this but it sounds just so not not uh, not now um but to but to me it, it is now because it's those words and they are very much from you know um from my experience last year and 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 there is that lovely lovely isn't the word for, for it very kind of manic sort of trumpet solo at the end from mr beirut um, uh, that is sort of almost sort of kid a-esque or something i thought he kind of brought that kind of quality to it so nice. maybe it redeemed itself in terms of its contemporaneous towards the end there you go well i again i don't think you need to worry about those things too much i think this is you being a perfectionist um Anyway, we're getting to the final two songs. And then these two, so it's Mistress America and Never Get to Heaven. And so it's interesting because both of these were written initially very outside the album. I mean, Mistress America, like you said, was written on tour. I can remember hearing you play it, just being like, hey, we just wrote this song. But then Never Get to Heaven, I remember reading you wrote that when you were like 14. So how did they, one, find their way onto this album, and two, what role do you feel that they play on the album now that they're there? Well, Mistress America, as you said, was written on that tour, and that was at a point where we were feeling quite happy and optimistic about, you know, some dark times coming coming good. And having a really fun time. That was a long tour. That was like 38 cities. And, you know, we were just having a ball. And... um and we were writing in the tour van and just, you know, there's uh, there's no greater great feeling than sort of being propulsed through, you know, the States, you know, fuck the dream. This is my, when I was a 14 year old boy, like in maths class at school, I'd have my like I, white CD Walkman headphones, like coming through my blazer and I just lean on my hand and I <laughs> listen to Simon and Garfunkel bookends and that song America coming on and just like, you know, just like I was in Almost Famous or something, sort of picturing kind of being on that that bus going through America and just like, that was all I wanted. 
I'd say that was the first time it really felt like, God, I'm doing that. Uh, and so there's a, there's a lot of that in there, and um, and there are lots of big themes, and it sounds like it sounds like a, like a nice big open road sentiment. Yeah. Um, and and I just thought like you know this is probably what the the album needs at this point to finish the album that's an album that's been so uh, so about a breakup and so bleak and introspective. It maybe needs a little question mark at the little happy question mark at the end. That kind of where do we run to now that keeps repeating and it feels like well this is a big this is a big outro this is a big happy fade out you know maybe the next album isn't going to be so bleak and and then never get to heaven um felt like the kind of like the epilogue like the end like the like if the book end if easy tiger started at the beginning as the prologue then then there we get Tevin's the epilogue at the end hmm. kind of add-on and and the fact that it was written yeah like you said when I was 14 so long ago and it had taken this long to end up on an album it was because it felt suddenly like I understood what that song meant it kind of came out of me at that age and I didn't have any emotional reference to write those lyrics but then luckily, you know, as you do write at that age, that it's so broad and non-specific. And I just listened, I just was, I think I was playing it to myself, um, you know, back in London after the tour and, 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 and just going, God, this is really, feels really profound to me now, this song. And, it, and it's sort of uh, about forgiveness or, you know, there's this huge feeling of, of, resolution or or just a like you're resigning yourself to a sort of kind of resolution and um and i definitely felt the song pointed at me all of a sudden rather than outward and i just thought this would be the perfect way to to end the album for sure yeah it feels very very meditative at the end uh, like you said it's kind of this learning not to either be so cynical about certain things and letting go. So yeah, it's, it's really strange how things can come full circle. Also, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, fuck you for being able to write that well at 14. Cause if I look back at the stuff I was writing at 14, it's like, let's go to the mall by Robin Sparkles from how I met your mother level bad. And it will remain buried somewhere. I don't know where I don't want to see it again. I can tell you that there's a whole album written at 14 with my first band and we were called Foreplay. Nope. <laughs> and it was spelled F-O-U-R play. And it was because there were four of us in the band and we all played. And, you know, so, and that whole album was, I don't know, it was like a long, proggy, like confused, just abomination. So. Oh my God. That happened to be an anomaly, that song, so you can just make yourself feel better. Okay. See, I'm sure the music was fine, but the name Foreplay does actually make me feel a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very good now. I mean, we were called Foreplay for maybe like maybe maybe like two months until we maybe decided against it. Okay, but, good. Uh, we were, at one point, that was our name. This Is Really Going to Hurt is available now, wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by myself, Sophia Lopercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Welford. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.